Most kids have two parents, but sometimes you're lucky enough to have three. When I was four years old, my grandmother, my dad's mom, we call her Grammy, came to live with us. My grandfather had died just a few years earlier, and Grammy wanted to be closer to her grandkids, which I know for a lot of people doesn't sound very ideal. Older people sometimes come with a stigma. They can be cranky, set in their ways, stubborn, bossy. Grammy was none of these things. Well, maybe just a little bit stubborn, but in such a charming way that you kind of just let it slide. She's, as she would put it, ornery as the Dickens. And even at 91, is as feisty and sharp as she ever was. Seriously, nothing gets by this woman. She's one of the most fun and quirky people you will ever meet. She can throw a killer party on a shoestring. We'll show complete strangers of the bank x-rays of the inside of her colon just for reaction. And plays a rare musical instrument. Her nose. It kind of sounds like this. She remembers the words to just about every tune that came out before 1950 and will break into song at the drop of a hat. Shout, Lulu, shout, shout, what the heck you shouting about? She will annihilate you in cards and feel absolutely no remorse about it. And last year at her 91st birthday party, she made this announcement to friends, family, and the staff at her assisted living home. I've quit wearing a bra. But the cherry on top for me was when my husband Seth and I entered the Gain Smell Like a Million Bucks video contest. Gain Laundry Detergent was hosting a competition for the best commercial featuring their laundry detergent, and the winner would win a million dollars. We decided to cast Grammy in the commercial, because come on, no one can resist an adorable grandma. And given the opportunity to finally, quote, dance on tables and become a star, unquote, Grammy couldn't resist. Man, I really stink. Grammy, how do you stay so fresh? Well, a couple of years ago, I really stank. I tried everything, but I still smelled rank. Well, I found the thing that cleared my name. I smelled so fresh cause I used game. Now I smell like a million bucks in the morning. Anymore. I use gain and I smell like a million well, she didn't end up dancing on the tables per se, but our local paper got such a kick out of her that they did a write-up on the whole ordeal, which she still has framed in her bedroom. Grammy is a story collector and teller. She's a walking history book of 90 years. Before starring as Queen Clara in the Utah Shakespeare Festival, traveling the world, and learning to play her nose, Grammy started life in a much different and darker space. As a result, she learned to pay attention, to take all of life in and store it away to tell someone later. I was lucky enough to be the someone she told. Grammy was born in 1923, right smack in between World War I and the start of the Great Depression. Her father was a scholar who never really did anything with his learning, and her mother was uneducated, hardworking, and funny like Grammy. They had eight kids, two of which died. Grammy was the baby of the family. It's taken me this long to realize what actually happened because I put all pieces together. How and why our family was the condition we were in. Financially, the family was always in straits. What life savings they had managed to save up ended up going to medical bills after Grammy's older brother Tommy got hit by lightning. At the beginning, 
the family lived in a tent. All were tent towns. You mean towns made out of tents? Yeah, everybody lived in a tent. They boarded them up to a certain degree and then put the canvas on top. They used boards, but mostly it was canvas. They lived that way for a couple of years, and then her father finally moved the family. He uh, set us down in Odessa. Which is a little town in West Texas of about 2,000 people at the time. That's where he made enough to keep us eating, just barely. And he bought a lot on 1117 North Lee, Odessa, Texas, in 1927. I was four years old at that time. Finally, they got enough money to build a two-room house. There was no street out front. There was nothing out front. Out in the middle of the prairie was this little house. But it was so primitive. I was a little baby girl, four years old. No toys, no nothing. I remember playing in the dirt, so all I had to play with was a spoon and dirt. What was your bedroom like? I slept between Mama and Papa. I didn't have a bedroom. What were birthdays like? I mean, what would you typically get for your birthday? Nothing. Nothing? We didn't celebrate any of this Christmas or anything because we didn't have any money. What did you wear? Mama didn't sew well at all, I might tell you that. But she had to make my clothes. And I have a little dress that she whipped up, and it's so pitifully made. She didn't have time. She had five, six, seven people to cook for, three meals a day. And the washing on the rug board. It was difficult days. Being a family of very little means with all those kids, I wondered how everyone got enough to eat. One day, coming home from school at noon, and Mama with her head on the table crying. Kids, I don't have anything to fix for you to eat. I was little, so Annie took me by the hand, and she says, come on, Mary. She was about a junior in high school. Come with me. And she had a quarter in her locker at school that she had babysit and made a quarter. And we went over to the school store, and she bought one of those great big peanut bars, and that's what we had for lunch. But I let my little Mama cry because she didn't have it. Was a, it really was a rotten way to live. Yeah. And I remember Mama having to cook fried potatoes. And it was nothing unusual for a family of four or five to pop in on you. Well, you have to sleep them. They'd just stay at your house? Yeah. You had to feed them. And they might stay two weeks. Mama never did cook. She's, well, they're just home folks. If you didn't have enough food to feed your family, how yeah, would you? Yeah, we had a lot of white gravy. So you'd eat white gravy for dinner? That and r- fried potatoes. Uh-huh. And that's all you'd have? Or maybe they'd contributed a little bit. Hmm. You know, a lot of bologna. So what, I mean, what, what did you guys eat? What was a normal meal? A normal meal. Cornbread, and that was a treat. We loved cornbread. And I remember I couldn't wait. I, when I get grown, I'm going to get all the cheese I want. And I eat cheese, but eat it only nominally. <laughs> it was kind of feast or famine sometimes, you know. Maybe they're a nickel a piece for corn. That's what you'd have for supper. I can remember one night, frequently during the Depression. A lot of people don't remember this, but being the little kid that didn't have anything else to do but read people, I learned a lot. All Mama had to fix one night was some had given us a bag of sweet potatoes. And she had them in the little oven, and they were going to be done in just a few minutes. Well, there was a young man knocked at our back door and wanted something to eat. 
And Mama opened the oven and says, Honey, this is what we have for dinner, which we'll share. And he took his sweet potato and thanked us and left. I was always invited to someone's house, and Mama never objected because she knew I'd be fed well. And when they'd want me to go to the farm for a two-week span, she always let me go because came back I would have gained weight. That's, that's the way it was. And that's the truth about it. I, a lot of people won't tell you what I've told you because they haven't been through what I've been through. I was able to, uh, to see it and understand it. But we didn't miss a day of school, and I mean it. What the family lacked in resources, they made up for in dedication to education. But a block down the street if, in today's world was the school, a big old red school. Well, Papa says, I don't give a damn what. My kids are going to school. And Mama was right behind me. We went to school, and I went to school, and I went to school. I didn't miss. Looking back on it, I think her parents knew that education would be the key to Grammy bettering her life. And it was. In the middle of high school, World War II broke out, and the government needed help doing clerical work for the war effort. Grammy had gotten good grades, could type exceptionally fast on a manual typewriter, and was fluent in shorthand. So after graduating high school, which, by the way, was an accomplishment back in those days, she took a train from West Texas all the way to Washington, D.C. She got out in the world, and after a year of being out on her own, she went back to Odessa, met a young Army Air Corps officer, fell in love, and married him. When your granddaddy was from an uneducated family, they had all do well to get to sixth grade. But he had this natural talent, and he had a natural talent for getting along with people and making you feel good about yourself. In him, Grammy saw a diamond in the rough. She worked with him on grammar and writing, and because of her, granddaddy went on to become not only an educator himself, but Teacher of the Year in Industrial Arts for all of Los Angeles in 1973. After years of marriage, two children, and many moves around the country later, he told Grammy that in his opinion, Honey, I wouldn't have been worth a damn if I hadn't married you. And he built her up too. She's got a personality kind of like mine, where your mouth often gets you in trouble. And one day she was feeling really bad about herself. She told Granddaddy, I was born with this personality, and I get so aggravated when I get so silly. And what? And Granddaddy said, You wait a minute. There's a lot of people like the way you are. And you just keep on being who you are and what you are. Grammy taught me a lot of things about life, humor, how to tell a good story. But more than that, she's taught me not to be ashamed of who I am but rather to live humbly and unapologetically. Because we're all dealt the hands we're dealt, so why not play them the best we can instead of wishing we could have someone else's? Grammy's a prime example of a person who started out with very little and made the most of it. Dear listener, I can't tell you how many times I have wished to be someone else, to be able to sing like her or write like him or look the way she does. I've even tried to amend my personality so that other people would like me. And here's the honest truth. I was miserable because it wasn't real. I wasn't real. 
There's something about faking it that kills a person's soul. And after a while of soul killing, I was ready to live for real. And one of the ways I am living for real is by choosing to take the focus off of myself and put it on other people. What about the person who wishes they could look like you or build a business like you can or play basketball like you do? What about coming alongside that person and finding their diamond in the rough, that thing that makes them special and unique? When we invest in people, our investment never comes back empty. I believe that we are at our most authentic when we're helping other people. And it doesn't matter if that person becomes teacher of the year or a little happier for a minute. It all counts. There are people who need you, not someone else, you with your skill sets and imperfections and talents and shortcomings, let's open our eyes to see the people who need us, whether that's a shoulder to cry on, an extended hand, or just to be told that they're worth a damn. My name is Carrington Schaefer, and thank you for joining me for another installment of Honestly, Dear Listener. Our show is produced by myself and Seth Schaefer. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. I want to hear from you. I post questions at the end of each episode, and I want to know your thoughts. Go to our Facebook page and join the conversation. I'd love to know how you're making a difference in your life and in the lives of others. Seriously, give me details. And just a reminder, there's a bunch of supplementary information on our website. I post pictures, links, videos, etc., and you can find all those goodies at honestlydearlistener.com. This week, I posted our commercial of Grammy and I in the Gain Smell Like a Million Bucks video contest. If you like adorable grandmas, check that out. A thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Hoptocopter Films, who specialize in creative visual storytelling. They're the best. And in honor of my dear sweet Grammy, yes, what you're hearing right now is me playing my nose. Join me in two weeks when our program continues. <laughs> <laughs>